0: Welcome, welcome welcome to another episode of unity colorado i colin wilhelm for colorado podcast i am colin wilhelm and with me as always is wonderful human being keely
1: hello good to be back again it's a beautiful day here in colorado at least where i am
0: <laughs> yeah but where
1: you at colin
0: <laughs> well i'm down here in uh, pueblo and it's it's snowing pretty good today but um we'll take the snow and what in Colorado any way we can get it as long as we can get that water coming in for us to fill up our rivers right
1: yes absolutely
0: well everybody as always i am colin wilhelm democratic candidate for colorado's third congressional district running ultimately to uh, unseat Lauren bopert you can check me out at wilhelmforcolorado.com there you can um, check out my policy ideas listen to th- prior podcasts, volunteer and also donate um, and also sign up for our email list as well. Um, and with that, uh, we'll get started today. So I guess the first thing I wanted to talk about, Keely, was the uh, the news coming out of the Supreme Court.
1: Yes, we do have the um, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer um, looking at retirement, uh, doesn't I don't believe he has formally announced that he's going to do that on Thursday. But uh, he's been in there for twenty seven years. Yep, that's a long time.
0: <laughs> Eighty three years old. It's a, uh, you know, well, they do get appointed for life and they sit for a very long time. Um, and he's been a a, a, a champion of uh, more that liberal democratic side of the bench um I, he was nominated by Jimmy Carter and um has been there for for a good amount of time and and has done some some really good as, as a legal scholar he's done some really good opinions out there and it's going to be a an interesting change but now we get the political fight over what happens to the supreme court during this time and that's the real fun in my mind
1: Yes, but uh, doesn't President Biden get to appoint the next person to take over, correct?
0: Yes, but the Senate has to confirm it. And the Senate well, is is 50, split 50-50 with the vice president being the tie-breaking vote, right?
1: Right. And so in, the current split, the 6-3 split that there currently is, could change.
0: It could, or it could stay the same. The, right. the belief is that Joe Biden will appoint a nominee sometime in the next couple of weeks. That nominee will then go to um, hearings at the, at the Senate and will be um, pushed through. The Republicans actually ended up changing the, uh, the rules to push through a Supreme Court nomination used to need to have a filibuster-proof Supreme Court nominee, which means over two-thirds of the Senate would have to agree. They changed the rules to allow for, um, for Trump's two uh, Supreme Court appointments. And now the, the Democrats can use that to put on pretty much whoever they want, as long as the Democratic Party agrees with, Supreme, with uh, Biden's nomination.
1: Okay, so hopefully it's going to maintain. Um, yep, a democratic you know, person in there. That'll be yeah,
0: good. Um, and the six-three split is more ideological than political, as people right. say. And you know, as long as the justices are actually looking at the law and not taking into the, their own politics into it, it should be fine. The 6 3 strays a lot. Most courts don't, most court opinions don't end up going along quote unquote party lines. They're actually much more nuanced than that. And especially even after the uh, two Trump appointees who everybody thought were going to be um, very conservative, they've actually come out as uh, rather independent thinkers, which is a good thing. I think all justices, in my opinion, should be free of politics in their decision making
1: oh i absolutely agree you know, we should be able to count on them to be that kind of neutral that neutral party
0: yep yeah but this is just kind of the the legal nerd um all all lawyers love this time of of the presidency when a supreme court nomination gets to gets to go forward we get to hear about interesting cases and potential what might happen in the next 20 years and think about rules of law. And it's, it's, it's fun for us. Other people might find it more boring, but we, <laughs> we love it.
1: I'm glad you're loving it because you're right. I, I have to be one of those other people that <laughs> find it a little bit more boring, but um, I guess I've never really paid that much attention. I mean, this gentleman that's retiring um, has been in there since I was born. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Well, in um this next justice will have the honor of um, getting everybody their coffee, making sure the door is shut at uh, meetings, and is the last one to sit down at those meetings. The Supreme Court has uh, very good um, seniority roles that they play, and uh, it's it's funny that the the least senior person on the bench has to get everybody coffee and make sure everybody's coffees are filled throughout the entire course of the of the um of the hearings and in, in the in the conferences that they have and the meetings that they have but also his his or her job is to make sure that the basketballs at the supreme court basketball hoop are fully inflated at all times this is true yeah.
1: Very important business. (laughs) You'd think they'd have like an assistant for all of those tasks, but I support it. You got to earn your, earn your spot, right? You would think so,
0: but you know, they, they, they leave it to the justices to do, I guess it's tradition.
1: No, they got to do their time. Yep.
0: (laughs) Well, if you can't blow up a basketball, you probably shouldn't be on the bench of the Supreme court.
1: You know, I'd have to agree with that. 100%.
0: (laughs) Yep. Okay. Well, thanks for for indulging me in that. What do you have for us today, Keely?
1: Yeah, today I thought that we would talk about water here in Colorado and how important it is um, to just about everybody here in CD3. And um you know, you recently had um, an op-ed posted in the Colorado Politics and I thought we'd you could share us your thoughts on that for anybody that did not see that
0: yeah um many people might not uh remember or might not know that colorado's third congressional district uh, everybody knows how big it is and how vast it is and, and where it is in the western side of in southern portion of the state but what they might not know is that it is the headwaters for three of the five largest rivers in the united states the Colorado River, the Rio Grande, and the Arkansas. Um, the Colorado River is the river that famous, is famous for supplying all the water to Las Vegas and L.A., along with all the agriculture along that area. The, um, the Rio Grande is not as famous in Colorado as it is more known as the border between Mexico and Texas. Um, it gets shown a lot with migrants trying to swim across it a lot. And in newscasts, it's it's seen, it's shown often on that. And then the Arkansas River is a major shipping route um, that goes from western, southern Colorado all the way to the Mississippi River, right there at the Mississippi Delta in Louisiana. And combined, these rivers... Uh, have about a $500 billion um, economic impact and also provide fresh water for all purposes to about 70 million people.
1: That is incredible. So you know, I always complain about the snow, and people that listen to our podcast are no strangers to that. Um, but it it is important here in Colorado that we get a lot of snow so that we can continue to provide people with fresh water. That's a lot of people that need it.
0: Yeah, it's not so much about you know the inconvenience, the daily inconvenience for Keely. It's about um, <laughs> making sure that everybody can get tomatoes in in their salsa. And um, right. and all of that in the future because all of the the snow that comes down into Aspen and Vale and, and Telluride go that we ski on and see in wonderful movies goes into those rivers eventually, right? Um, one way or another, either through groundwater or seeps into it and pushes down and goes downstream, and it's been overall a rather good situation for all the states that depend on that water. They've created what's called a compact. Um, And we'll talk about the Colorado River specifically in this one. The Colorado River Water Compact is is an agreement between the states that use the water that comes along the Colorado River. And it gives each state a certain amount of water right. uh, for use so that way. Everybody gets their fair share, quote, unquote. Um, yeah, and it this,
1: was, this pact was the first time in US history that more than three states were uh, in agreement. Yeah. Um, about water, which is a big deal.
0: Yeah, and it's it's a hugely important document. And it um, protects people's rights and and, um, Water is very, very, uh, has the potential to be very expensive for people um, as landholders and water holders, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely something that people don't really think about. You know, you turn on your, turn on your faucet, turn on your sprinklers. You don't really think of the impact um, and where that water is really coming from and how expensive it, it really could be, especially with the droughts um, that have progressively gotten worse um, throughout Colorado.
0: Yeah, and this Water Compact was created in—I uh, want to say what was it? Nineteen
1: twenty-two. Nineteen twenty-two.
0: Yep. Yeah and, it, <laughs> yeah, and it involves every state that has a tributary to the Colorado River, even so, um, and and very importantly, Mexico. As the Colorado River em- empties into the Baja Peninsula, right?
1: Yeah. Um, so they, they switched, um, switched it up. They separated it um, into the upper basin and the lower basin. Um, so the upper basin c- consisting of Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, and Wyoming. And then the lower basin consider- consisting of um, Arizona, California, and Nevada. And then I believe it was in 1944 um, that Mexico was put into that whole um, whole situation. And uh, there was a, a, a treaty uh, between the U.S. and Mexico for the Colorado River water.
0: Yep, yeah. And people might be like, well, if CD3 is the headwaters and it flows to Mexico, how is Wyoming involved? Because isn't Wyoming more north of um, Colorado? The, f- the fact is the water comes down along the, the Rocky Mountains through... The snake, the Little Snake River, and the Yampa River, and the White River, and they feed into the Colorado River um, via the White River and the Green River. Mm -hmm. Those, those are the some of the largest tributaries to it. And so, all that water is part of the Colorado River watershed. And that watershed is so expansive, and provide that—that's how it provides all the water. It's all the rivers and all the streams that run off it that get to everywhere and go to and go down into Mexico. And really what we created in nineteen twenty two was a working and usable document to allow us to determine upstream and downstream flows and how much everybody would get. But we used bad numbers. We well, didn't I'm use so the awesome. right data.
1: Well, and 100 years later, surely that data has changed considerably.
0: It has changed. It's it's gotten much less. We originally thought that there was something about um, somewhere about 18 million to 22 million cubic feet of water flowing down the Colorado, Colorado River every year. Now we know that it can go anywhere between... 12 to 22 million cubic feet of water. So that's very different. 18 to 12 is very different, right?
1: Right. So we are cur- still currently splitting up water rights, if you will, between based on those old numbers.
0: Yes. Yep. The lower basin states get um, about 7.5 million cubic acre feet. And it's separated based upon uh, they get a certain number of acre feet per year. Um, so Colorado gets its certain, al- uh, California, I'm sorry, gets its certain allocation, Arizona and Nevada get their own allocation. And then the um, the upper states are left with percentages of what's left over. It's kind of an odd way to do it, where some people get a certain amount of water and then the other people get What's left over,
1: right, right,
0: and uh, that that can be a problem because what's left over isn't the same every year, and that's why I think that one thing we need to do, and it, this is up for a renewal of this agreement, what we need to do is open it up and look at what the actual cubic feet flowing down the river are where the water's coming from, even more in depth than what we knew before, how much everybody's using, how much should they be using? Could we implement some uh, measures to have people use less water than, um, than they need, or than they're actually using? The amount right. they need might be lower than what they're using, right?
1: Sure.
0: And then renegotiate the water compact. But because there's that treaty with Mexico, the states can't do it alone. The federal government needs to be involved. You can find this podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to listen, subscribe, and if you like it, leave a five-star review.
1: Okay. Now, with you know the changes in technology, how, how is it measured? How, how are we able to get better data? That's a great question. We
0: We can put flow sensors into the river that monitor the the stream flow and tell us how quickly it's going, which will tell us essentially through some calculations that I can't do. You probably can. (laughs) um, It'll tell us the amount of cubic feet that's going down and how much water is in that river. And that will give us a good... Um, understanding. And we've put these sensors in, and we can, over the last decade, we can look at that that data and create a new water compact that will be more beneficial, more fair, and more accurate for what's really going on in the
1: world today. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, as as any science goes, I think it's important that we start with the most accurate data um, and then change based on that. Uh, Like you said, if we've been operating under the idea that we've had so much more water than we really have, then it's really, for lack of better terms, you know, kind of screwing over a bunch of people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it it actually, where we get screwed over is the upper river uh, basin states Hmm. because we only get that percentage of what's left over, right? Right. And as time goes on, all of that water that's allocated specifically in cubic feet will continue to flow down that river and we'll be getting less and less and less in, in the upper basin state of Colorado. And that could lead to ultimately lead to problems.
1: Now I have a question about these sensors that have been put in just yep. for my own knowledge, because I don't know. Um, are, are these placed just kind of throughout the rivers or are they in more places like, I don't know the hoover dam and places that kind of collect the water
0: they can be placed both okay. um and actually that's that's a great other topic that we can talk that um we can talk about what's also awesome about these rivers is we have the ability to create large hoover dam style hydroelectric power but also mm-hmm. micro um electric power plants that are the size of a Winnebago, or actually they're getting to the size of a car that you can put on the side of a river and it, it can power, um, five to 10 houses alone, just by the water going by it and sucking up that, that raw power of the water flowing downstream and turning a turbine.
1: Wow. So it's not using the water to, I mean, it's using the water to create the energy, but it's not taking the water from the rivers, it's continuing it downstream, but still allowing yep. that collection of energy.
0: Yep. Um, and, the right and they're, they're small and, and the micro solutions are pretty, pretty cool to see in person and, um, and understand and we're getting even better and better technology at the micro, micro level. And, you know, we're talking about, yeah, powering five to 10 homes. But if you put enough of those along a river you could power an entire city
1: that's a lot but then it also brings in the point of you know at one point at at, at what point is all of those little car sized power plants if you will um you know becoming taking away from you know the natural beauty and preserving that you know what i I mean i think
0: i think that's a great question and one that we as a community uh, need to answer together, right? Um, you know, there there's a sense of balance with everything, I guess. How do we balance our needs for for energy versus our the the environment and and all of that and and I think that we're we can have a good um, balance at zero emissions Um, energy and also look good for, and also have a very good ecological impact on our community if we do it right and don't try to overdo it.
1: Right. Yeah. I just kind of had this thought, like if we had those everywhere, why don't we, you know, if there's a way to kind of cover them with live plants
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so that it's adding to that natural beauty, creating more, you know, oxygen in the air, but also... Being that opportunity to use that power for clean energy
0: that would be really cool i'm sure somebody out there is going to comment on well you can't do it that way you guys are idiots but we we might be you never
1: know you never know maybe i should patent this idea
0: (laughs) well there you go i think you should
1: (laughs) i would love to be out you know plant some plants that'd be your that'd be an amazing job just hanging out by the river planting plants
0: yeah, watching the watching the fish <laughs> yeah. go down the stream, but also knowing that you are doing something good for the community and the environment.
1: Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll take that job.
1: Right? No, as my, we need you not, in Congress. Not,
0: so. Yeah, not my <laughs> next job. The, the second one, the one after. Okay, fair enough. Yeah,
1: uh, but, interesting. But you well, also
0: brought up at the beginning of this, you brought up the um, the the editorial that I wrote for. In regards to the San Luis Valley. So for those people who don't know the San Luis Valley is an area in Southern Colorado around Alamosa, essentially, um, in, in the great, um, sand dunes area. And it's actually the largest, um, high mountain valley in the world. Um, but we have, there's a lot of agriculture that goes on in there and there's a lot of water at the water table there. And currently, some counties on the Front Range, namely Douglas County, wants to create a new pipeline that would take water from the San Luis Valley and put it all the way across the Rocky Mountains into Douglas County. So that way they can have more fresh drinking water for their influx of population on the Front Range at the expense of the drinking water and agricultural needs of the San Luis Valley. So it's um, one gr- large group of people on the front range claim they need more water, so take it from the smaller group of people in in uh, southern Colorado. What is your first thought about that, Keely?
1: Um, you know, to me, I, I feel like there's technology out there now to be able to reuse and you know purify and replenish the water in in the cities in Douglas County. Um, without having to pull water from people that, you know, supply our grocery stores with fresh produce.
0: I agree. Um, one thing that is uh, prevalent growing in the San Luis Valley are potatoes. Colorado potatoes are tastier than Idaho potatoes. And I'm saying that not just because I'm running for Congress, but as a potato connoisseur, I think it's true.
1: <laughs> a potato connoisseur. Yeah. You know, I I personally don't eat many potatoes, but um I do occasionally enjoy some potato vodka. (laughs) You You need potatoes to make
0: that. (laughs) You do, you do. And the best potato vodka comes from Colorado potatoes. I have no idea if that's true or not, or if there's even potato vodka made from Colorado potatoes. Somebody could email us and let us know that, that would be great. And then get a we'll get Keely a bottle and she'll taste it on the air.
1: Yeah, I'm going to need a, a mixer, not that hardcore, but um, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, like- I, I came out opposing this. And this this uh, plan is actually being led by a former Colorado governor, which um, saddens me because governor, the governor knows how much that water, how necessary that water is for the San Luis Valley. A decade ago, the water table, so the water table is the level at which the water reaches the ground level, the ground surface, right? Mm
1: -hmm. So it's
0: the number of feet below ground level that it's at. A decade ago, the water table was about uh, 22 feet below ground, ground level. Now it's at 100 feet in the San Luis Valley. Wow. So they're trying to take water out of an area that's already losing water due to our droughts, and put it into the front range. And now, to be
1: that, they would need to close down wells. Is that correct?
0: Yes. They would actually put 29 wells out of existence in the San Luis Valley.
1: Wow. Now, I know if maybe it was last year or a couple years ago, five wells were closed, and that was a huge impact yep. on the San Luis it, Valley. So, 29 of them closing would be detrimental.
0: Yeah. Um, it would, it would be a 40 year, um, potential, uh, negative for the San Luis Valley, um, is what the scientists project it to be. Uh 40 year loss of water wouldn't recover for 40 years, but that's only if our current environment and climate stays the same and the way our climate's going, it probably would be a lot worse than 40 years.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: it's probably a never recoverable situation if they did this. And I agree. There's, there's plenty of opportunities and technology out there at the same cost of running a huge pipeline from the San Luis Valley to Douglas County to try to do some sort of technological um, aspect to reuse water, recycle water in the front range and let the people of Douglas County still have fresh water. We're not trying to take water away from Douglas County. Let's let everybody keep their water that they have.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. And so I came out op- opposed to it and um, we'll see, we'll see what happens. It's a multi-year issue. It won't be decided this year, but um, hopefully the RWR, that's the name of the company is trying to push this through. will eventually back down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would hope so. You know, like we said, there there's technology for them to be able to reuse and what is that? Reduce, reuse, <laughs> recycle reduce, the water.
0: Reduce, um, yeah, the three R's. Yeah. Huh. You You remember that, but you weren't born in the 80s. Wow.
1: I learned it in school.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you went to school? <laughs>
1: Oh, geez. Sorry, my my brain is still stuck on this whole potato vodka thing. And I can't believe I didn't realize this, but Woody Creek Distillers, which is pretty local to us, is local potato vodka. So just throwing that out there.
0: (laughs) I knew it was a vodka. I didn't know it was a potato vodka.
1: It is. It is. Sorry to our listeners. Just side note. I'm a little spacey today.
0: (laughs) I have a good friend that works at Woody Creek Distilleries. Or distillers, every as a bartender, every so often, I believe. Um,
1: Anyways, back on topic. When when should we know? Is there a a, is there a timeline for this pipeline decision making?
0: Not really. Um, It'll just kind of either go away over time, hopefully, um, or they'll continue to push for it. So. We'll keep, we'll keep track of it.
1: Well, hopefully, um, with all the snow that we have received this winter, and hopefully we get some more because we only had a couple of weeks of like intense snowstorms. Um, ho- hopefully this can help our water in the Colorado river, the San Luis Valley. Um, and hopefully the summer won't be quite as dry because as we know, when we don't get as much snow, there's more wildfires. There's... Less yep. for agricultural use, um, so we'll just have to wait and see.
0: At what point do we, in a in a 19 year drought, do we stop calling it a drought and just start recognizing that this is normal for us now?
1: Well, you know, I guess that would require people to acknowledge the fact that the climate is indeed changing. I think.
0: And that's a harder topic, I guess, but I, I agree with you. Um, you need to acknowledge the the situations on the ground, and a lot of a lot of the stuff that we talk about, we need to is seems to be the mentality of our country not wanting to acknowledge the actual situation, right? Right. From poverty to teachers to a drought.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a lot of these issues that we talk about are not just here in the United States, but especially things like this climate change and drought. I mean, it's, it's a worldwide situation. Yeah. The sooner we can all come on board and find solutions, the better for literally the entire planet.
0: (laughs) So to all our listeners, let's get to work And the best, the easiest way to get to work right now is to go to our website, wilhelmforcolorado.com where you can sign up for our email address You can sign up to volunteer and you can make a donation to keep us running and um, make sure that we get a climate denier, climate change denier, Lauren Bobert, out of office. And uh, put me, somebody who wants to do some good, into office.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of Bobert, our BBB today. lauren bobert has you know been at it again with her remarks to people um recently there was a, a, a jewish orthodox group that were um at the capitol um kind of as guests from Re- representative tom i'm totally going to butcher his last name sosie is that how you say it no idea Okay. Fair enough. Um, but uh, yeah, she saw him at the Capitol and asked if they were doing reconnaissance there and that she was, after people were like, I'm sorry, what did you just say? She mentioned, yeah. oh, well, I'm too short to see anyone's Yarmoukas. That's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> she actually asked them if they were doing, so they're, these are Jewish rabbis. Yeah. My understanding was, uh, in a delegation of of religious leaders, we're getting a tour by their congressman. Um, something tours by their congressperson is something Lauren Bobert knows a lot about, um, and we're interested to see how, exactly how much she knows
1: prior uh-huh. to January
0: sixth. Uh-huh. Um, but so she just uh, she asked them if they were. Re- Doing recon- reconnaissance for what? Did she ex- go go into? It, it didn't
1: even didn't even go into detail. Just kind of you know mouthed off about it, and a lot of the people I guess there kind of didn't really hear her, and everybody's kind of just looking around like what what just happened, and um, you know as if her remarks to Representative Omar a couple months ago weren't bad enough, mm-hmm. like she just keeps just keeps going. And um, I think this is important announcement. Lauren Boebert, the Golden Rule: If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> I just kind of blows my mind that you know she even feels like she needs to chime in on her. Yeah, yeah it's just blows my mind.
0: I think I've said this before, but um, she feels like she's just. A mean girl, like a high school mean girl.
1: I have to agree with that.
0: Not like she's actually okay. not like she's an adult. It, it, that's just how she comes across. It is petty, immature, vindictive. Like she hasn't grown up. Um,
1: Perhaps she needs a hug.
0: <laughs> well, um, go give her a hug.
1: Hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs>
0: yeah I feel yeah
1: well that's that's basically all I had for the BBB today but uh yeah it just goes to show that she's not learning from her actions that have been so publicly you know condemned I don't I don't get how she can continue to make these kind of remarks
0: Um, and not not be held accountable for anything yeah until somebody holds her accountable uh that's how she's she's just going to continue to do it and um That's just, that's why we need some change. And that's why I'm running to take her out and um, hold her accountable. All right. Well, everybody take care. and Thank you for listening and check us out at WilhelmforColorado.com.
1: Yes. And please go on there, volunteer, give us a five-star reviews wherever you're listening to your podcasts. Um, feel free to reach out to us with any podcast ideas, or if you want to be on our podcast, we'd be happy to have you and, uh, don't forget to donate. Yep.
0: Thank you all. And have a good day.